Live from the bridge at the Launchpad Studios in Huntington, New York, it's Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Cardboard Memories, Clearview, Long Island, the law firm of Decalator, Cohen, and DePrisco, the Phoenix Tube Company, Pims Incorporated, fueling brand performance for 30 years, Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, and Soho Table Hockey. Here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is a man who's done it all in the game of baseball. He was a designated hitter, first baseman, right fielder for the New York Yankees and Chicago White Sox, as well as a manager in the Israeli Baseball League. He was the first designated hitter in Major League Baseball history. Over eight seasons, he compiled a 293 batting average. He had 52 home runs, 224 RBIs. For his career, he hit 304 against right-handers and 304 with two out and runners on scoring position, as well as 325 when the score was tied. He was inducted into the National Jewish Sports Hall of Fame in 2004. He is the author of two great books, Designated Hebrew, the Ron Bloomberg story, and his latest, The Captain and Me, on and off the field with Thurman Munson. It is the thrill to welcome Ron Bloomberg back to Sports Talk New York. Welcome back, Boomer. How you doing? Hey, big guys. It's great to be able to talk to you again. And <laughs> I'm sorry uh, I've been so hard to reach uh, since this book has come out. This book has done extremely well, and it's it's been fun, and uh, it's been number one for the last almost about six weeks. So I've had a great time with it, but it's it's always great to be able to talk to you all. You know, so we mentioned that this is your second book. This one is co-authored with a very good friend of the show, Dan Epstein. How did this project come about, and how did Dan become part of the project? Well, basically, uh, uh, you know, I have looked at, for the last four or five years, uh, Thurman's uh, uh, ballots has gone down and down and down. And I started thinking, how in the world can somebody this good meant so much to the New York Yankees meant so much to baseball and to the fans up in uh, New York. And, you know, I, I, I kept on thinking, I said, I got to maybe do something about it. Okay. So I was down in uh, Yankee fantasy camp and Diana Munson was down there with uh, uh, Kay Mercer, who is of course, Bob Mercer's wife and Helen Hunter, who was uh, a catfish hunter's wife. And, uh, uh, so I, I went up to Diana, who is a very, very close friend of mine. And, and I found out, uh, th- there has been so many great books written about Thurman, but none of the books have really talked about what type of, what type of person he was off the field because majority of the people hated him when he played because he was a, he was a tough cookie. He was a blue collar guy behind the plate. He was, he was tough. So Diana Munson refused to uh, do any of the uh, forwards for any of the books that has been written about Thurman. So I went to Diana and I said, Diana, what I'd like for you to do. And she said, Ron, I know what you want me want to do. You want to write a book about Thurman and you want me to do the forward of the book. So basically I did. Uh, she came up to me. Uh, she started crying. She said, uh, I, of all the people, you would be the uh, uh, top person to really write a really uh, uh, a book about Thurman and what type of person he was. And because of Dan Epstein, uh, my literary agent, Rob Wilson, uh, uh, w- knew that uh, Dan Epstein was maybe looking for a project. So he contacted Dan Epstein, and that's how it got started. And 
Dan is just an unbelievable yeah. writer. I mean, he really is. He's a great writer. And he's also, you know, a big-time aficionado of that era, era in baseball. That, that's, that is his wheelhouse for sure. You know, you mentioned the, the forward by, by Diana Munson, who is a fabulous woman. I've had the opportunity many times at the Munson Awards dinner to meet her. Just unbelievable. But she talked about the difference between the two of you, and she said that she thinks part of Thurman wished he could have been a little more like Ron. I'm wondering, is there a part of Ron that wishes he was a little more like Thurman? Well, you know, I wish I was Thurman in a sense where I wish I was healthy. I, I had a few more years that I wasn't on the uh, uh, DL. Uh, but no, you know, hey, the guy up above made me. The guy up above made Thurman. And what made us so good together, because we came from different backgrounds. Uh, the, well, I was the number one draft choice in 67. He was the number one draft choice in 68. And I got to meet him in uh, uh, 69 down in uh, Fort Lauderdale, down in spring training. And he loved to play golf. He loved to fish and he loved to eat. Those are the three uh, kickers that I loved. So we really, you know, I, I come from Georgia and uh, uh, Atlanta. And back then, Atlanta was a very, very uh, uh, uh well, you know, I mean, it was a southern town. And, uh, of course, Thurman came from Canton, Ohio. There was a Midwest uh, blue-collar town. And um, we just hit it off. And we really, really did. And, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, hey, did I, hey, you know, I enjoyed playing for New York. The greatest thing in the whole world to be part of the New York Yankees, to be able to talk to people like yourself. And the greatest thing was me rooming with Thurman and to really get to know a person who was our team captain and who was a guy that, you know, we would do anything for. And Thurman was the best of the best, and he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And I'm going to do everything I can to hope promote him to get him in. So let's talk. One of the things you introduced Thurman Munson to was Jewish food. Tell us about the first time that Thurman Munson had a pastrami sandwich. Oh, it's very, very simple because we trained out in Fort Lauderdale. And, of course, Miami is just 45 minutes away from Fort Lauderdale. And me being a Jew from the South, and I knew about all the matzo balls, the pastramis, the corned beefs. But we didn't have the good stuff like they did up, of course, New York. And the second uh, biggest Jewish city in the country is uh, Miami. So uh, I, I was very, very lucky. I got to... Uh, know a lot of the uh, delicatessens down there because I uh, used to uh, eat down there and uh, bring them pictures and baseballs. So when Thurman and I became friends, I wanted to really, because he loved to eat and I love to eat, and I took him to quite a few uh, uh, delis in, uh, uh, down in Miami, and he loved them. I mean, I mean, he never he never knew what a matzo ball soup was. He never knew pastrami's, corned beef, half sours. Uh, uh, he never knew uh, Dr. Brown's. He never knew about the potato salad and coleslaw. How about the onion the, rolls? Yeah, <laughs> he never knew anything about it. Yeah, you knew that. You know, I mean, and, and when I talked to him about a bagel, he said, the first thing he said, yeah, we get Linder's. Uh, down in, uh, in Canton, Ohio. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and the funny part about it is once we became friends, he said, I'm going to take you to one of the best places we're going to eat. He took me to White Castle. 
hamburgers. <laughs> and that's what he took me from from I'm, I'm, I'm taking them to the expensive Jewish food. So he takes me to the nickel uh, White Castles. But hey, we got along so well. And he was such a wonderful man. And, and he was such a wonderful uh, 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 family person. And, uh, and you know, that's what I want the people to to realize what type of person he was and what type of general he was out on that field. And, you know, I mean, he had so much respect of everybody on that team. And that's why Billy Martin uh, and uh, uh, made him the team captain. But as soon as he came to New York and as soon as he uh, put that uniform on, he had that it factor. And you knew right off the bat that he's going to he, he's going to do something and he's going to lead. And even though he wasn't considered the team captain, he was the team captain as as soon as he put on that uh, Yankee uniform. You know, it's interesting because the, the book, if people didn't get you know, designated Hebrew, which touches on your career a bit, this also reinforces some of the things in your career. And you mentioned how you guys were back-to-back number one draft picks. But um, it's interesting for me is the fact that you know, your career as well as your relationship in, in Thurman 67, you pretty much had the holy trinity. Um, as the Yankees hold the number one draft pick, you at that point had scholarship offers to play basketball for John Wooden at UCLA or to play football for Bear Bryant at Alabama. I'm just wondering, have you ever wondered what your life would have been like had you gone that route? The only way that I would have signed to play football or to play basketball if I was not drafted by the New York Yankees. And I was very, very lucky to know uh, probably maybe, you know, a year before that the Yankees would draft me number one, if I would have stayed healthy and if they would have had, you know, I mean, back then, the only time you had a number one, well, the Yankees had the number one draft pick because they had the worst record. And if they started winning, uh, they probably, uh, uh, they would not have been, uh, I, I would not have been the number one draft pick. Well, m- not by the Yankees. And uh, the Chicago Cubs uh, already told me if the Yankees did not draft me, they're going to draft me uh, number one. And they're drafting number two. But I already made up my mind that if the Yankees were not going to draft me, I was going to sign uh, uh, and play basketball or football. But that was a no-brainer for me. Being a Jew coming up to New York City, number one, number two, I became a role model to so many kids uh, up in New York. And the greatest part about it, back then, we made no money. We made no money whatsoever. So everybody always had second jobs, right? So my second job during the offseason, I was related to every Jew, and I did every wedding. I lit every candle. Uh, uh, that was my secondary job was every weekend uh, on a Saturday, if they're not real religious, or, of course, Sunday. I went. I, I did every wedding. I did every bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah. So I was related to every Jew in New York City. So, you know, hey, I, hey I, it was really fun. You know, I mean, I love New York. The people were just unbelievable to me, even to this day. No, and, also- I mean— Yes. You know, what's also cool about the book is because, you know, a lot of younger people have heard the name Thurman Munson, but you touch a little bit on a guy who I think 
you know, baseball history has not been that kind to. I, I very rarely do you ever hear him talked about. But you touch on Joe Pepitone a bit and your recollections of him, one of the great characters of the game. Uh, but, you know, the views, that, you know, Thurm, there were certain things that irk Thurman about Joe. Could you tell our audience a little bit about your opinion of Joe and as well as Thurman? Let me tell you something. Joe, I met Joe, of course, uh, down in spring training. Uh, this guy was so talented. This guy was so talented on the field and off the field. Number one, he was a great ball player when he wanted to and when he showed up for the game, number one. Okay, because a few times Joe would say, well, I'd rather fish than play in a ball game this weekend. So, you know, he wouldn't go come to a game. He was so talented. I mean, he could run, he could throw, he could field, and he could hit with the best of them. If he wanted to. Okay, that's number one. Uh, number two, I think that, you know, Joe was always, you know, a party type of person. Uh, when Thurman and I went down uh, spring training, I think Joe uh, last year, I forgot what year uh, Joe's last year was. Uh, oh, gosh, uh, when he left the Yankees and went to Chicago. Post, 73, and then, I think. <laughs> in 73. And he was such a character. And the good part about it was, you know, we used to frequent his uh, place, his establishment. And when Joe was in there, I mean, number one, I mean, Joe could, you probably don't even know this, Joe could sing, Joe could dance, and he could tell stories with the best of them. And, and Thurman was always upset with him because he never gave 120% every time he was at the ball game. Okay. I mean, he was looking up at the stands and trying to find, you know, somebody to party with. You know, let's be honest. You know, I mean, hey, Joe was one of the best. Him and Namath, him and Namath probably, uh, and Bo Belinsky, you know, were probably one of the top threes, you know, and, and hey, I respect him for it. I mean, if he could do it, he can do it. I mean, he was so talented. And Thurman was a guy that when, whenever he was on the field, he gave 120%. And 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 when he and when uh, uh, Thurman did not see somebody that really actually gave 120 percent, you know, he gets a little bit upset. And and and, and he had a few words uh, with Joe a few times. But you know, hey, everybody were friends with uh, Joe. Even to this day, I, I I see Joe at the stadium a lot. Uh, he looks great. You know, I don't know if you know, he's 80 years yeah, old. This it's year. unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And, I mean, he really looks great. What type I mean, of hairpiece really does he have now? <laughs> uh, you know, I really don't know. And the, the funny part about it was, you know, I mean, uh, uh, he always had like a uh, – He, I said, well, see, I, I was just a young kid. And the people that really got on to him was Mantle, uh, DiMaggio, uh, Yogi. And all those guys, Cleet Boyer, uh, Phil Lins, all those guys always used to get on him because you had no idea what hairpiece he would have. One day he would have like a, a blonde streak on the back of it. Even back then, that was a big deal. And then he'll have his whole flush up and he looked like uh, he had like, it looked like a birdcage. It looked like he had like four or five birds in it. And, and he was just so funny. And, you know, I mean, Hey, and you used to watch him, and it was so fun to watch him fluff it up. Uh, you know, I don't know if you have ever seen him do that, but he used to fluff it up, 
and used to take, you know, back then a hair dryer was a big deal then yeah. because nobody had any idea what a real hair dryer was. And, you know, and he used it. Oh gosh. Even when he was out of the field, he would, he, he would used to come in and used to, you know, blow dry, you know, he would used to fluff up his hair and then his hat was sitting on it, you know, on his head. And I mean, even to this day, it's so funny. And, well, you know, I, I saw him, I saw him about two years ago, Yankees, about maybe three years ago, Yankee Stadium. We're doing an appearance. And I, I, I couldn't look at him. I always had to look at his hair to see, you know, sometimes uh, in later years, he didn't have his, you know, uh, toupee on. And if you want to talk about somebody that's scary, Look at Joe Pepper. You, you look at Joe Peppertone without hair. Pick out there. You know, I mean, you know, picture Joe Peppertone with no hair. And, and that's a scary sight. That's a really a scary sight. Yeah. Well, well speaking of hair, 1973, the year you, you debut as the first designated hitter in baseball, you and Thurman are actually called into the new owner, George Steinbrenner's office, and ordered to get a haircut. Can you tell us a little more about what happened at that point? Oh, yeah, it was very, very simple. You know, I mean, back then, you know, most of the guys used to go to the ballpark together. You know, I mean, uh, you know, nobody wanted to splurge 25 cents to go to the George Washington Bridge. So basically, you know, we get into the clubhouse. You know, it was uh, Catfish then. It was Pinella then. Uh, uh, let me see. I can't remember. I, I, I know it was... Thurman, it was Catfish, it was, I think it was Nettles. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But, you know, everybody, so, so I get down there, so there was a letter. Uh, not a letter, it's an envelope. And there was like four or five guys who just picked up the envelope, and it said that they wanted to see us uh, in uh, George Steinbrenner's, uh, uh, up in his uh, suite, up in his uh, office up there. And, you know, hey, I'm hitting 400. Thurman was hitting the ball over 300. Uh, Pinella was hitting the ball extremely well. Catfish was pitching real well. And the team was just coming up. It was just coming up a little bit. And we knew they're not going to trade us. We didn't think. So we, we, we come up to the ballpark, right? Uh, we went up there. First thing, uh, George had a, uh, a guy, uh, a barber up there. And, you know, and he said, you know, the Yankees are like that, and your hair is too long, and, you know, and the first thing I said to him, I said, screw you. I said, I've been in 406 through August, and there's no way. I mean, you can release me now, and I'll get picked up, and I have no idea what I'm saying. And Thurman did the same thing. So we go downstairs, so we left there, we yelled at him, he yelled back at us, and we said, okay, there's two things. Uh, we're going to be traded, we're going to get released. You can't release us, and we all will get traded at the same time together. So, you know, so we come back the next day, and we I started thinking, and there was a, a letter, uh, another uh, envelope, and I said, oh, no, I got my walking papers, and all these guys got their, you know, I said, it couldn't happen. So I opened it up, it was a $100 bill, and, and he said to us, and he said, I really respect sticking up for, for yourself. And I mean, and to that day, you know, he had respect for us. We respected him. We yelled at him. He yelled at us. 
We told him, screw himself a hundred thousand times. You know, I mean, but that's the type of relationship that we actually had. And everybody said, well, George was a wonderful man. I mean, really, yeah. people that, number one, when he, when he first came to the Yankees and he, and Bill Burton got fired and, 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 and uh, Billy Martin came on and he sat down with us and we, we, nobody knew anybody about George. Nobody knew anything about him. But he sat down and he said, I just want to let you know, I got very deep pockets. And, and, and But CBS owned the team before George bought them, okay? And, and CBS did not want to pay anything uh, for the Yankees and trades or create, none of that stuff, okay? So George said, two things I want to do. I got deep pockets, and I'm going to bring back uh, a winner to the New York Yankees, and I want to bring back a winner to the best fans in the world the New York fans, and that's what he did. Yeah. And, you know, and people, and, hey, people, you know, they're afraid, they're afraid of him because he, he, he was, you know, so dominating. He had so much money back then. And, you know, and I, I talk, a lot of my good friends like Art Chamsky and uh, Eddie Cranepool and all those guys are dear friends of mine. And I told him, I think you might have a new owner like Steve Cohen that's going to be like George to spend a lot of money. You know, I mean, I, you know, but George, you know, George, as soon as, you know, I mean, after one or two games, he got, he jumped in like he was a manager. He was a secondary <laughs> manager. And, but you know what? We, we really didn't care, you know, because we knew well, we really did not know how much he was going to be involved because when Billy was a manager, how many times I'm sitting on the bench or getting ready to hit, and there's a phone call from upstairs. George said, I want you to put this guy in. I want you to put this guy in. And Billy would always say, hey, I'm not taking any more phone calls from you. Don't call me up anymore. And he hangs up the phone. Hey, you know, we said, okay, his, uh, Billy's going to be going again. He's going to be going to another team, and we're going to be getting another manager. But he respected Billy, too. You know, I mean, he respected him in a sense where he got rid of him back and forth, what, three, four times. And, you know, he had to pay him like three, four. You know, I mean, Jill, his uh, wife, his uh, his ex, well, his uh, past wife, she's still getting paid from all this, uh, from all this contract. So, you know, I mean, it's really, uh, uh, the Bronx Zoo was really the Bronx Zoo. It was a time that we had crazy guys on the team. We had fights on the team. We had, uh, uh, you know, people did crazy things on the team. And at that time, Studio 54 was real big. All this stuff was big. You know, I mean, it was, it was it's a time and place in New York City where the Bronx, Bronx Zoo really became a very big item. And it was fun. It was a great time for baseball. And George brought the team back. And, you know, unfortunately, the team is struggling a little bit now. And, and but uh, if George was still around, that team would have been, uh, uh, it would have been shaken up a long time ago. Yeah. So, so to get back to your move to get Thurman into the Hall of Fame, we're past the point where the writers vote him in. That's gone past. Now it's yes. in the hands of what used to be called the Veterans Committee. Now it's called the yes. Baseball Era Committee. Yes. 
these are people who many times played against Thurman and you say didn't like him because they played against him. What do you think you have to do to convince them in particular in their background that he belongs in the Hall of Fame? You know what? Maybe people didn't like him, but they respect him. OK, uh, when you have the veteran committee, most of these writers, let's be honest, most of these writers knew of about Thurman, but never saw Thurman. OK, and, you know, I spoke to a couple of guys who were in the hall. You know what? Uh, the Hall of Fame committee that they pick and what I heard, and this is I'm brand new at this. I just I want to get him in. But they said they picked different people uh, when they have a veteran committee, they pick different uh, Hall of Famers. And, you know, I'm looking at all these guys that are still living. Maybe they didn't like Thurman. The only guy that really hated Thurman and didn't respect him was Fisk. Exactly. Let's be honest. You know, right. hey, they had, they, they had a running feud. They had a run, you know, I mean, up in Boston, you know, uh, they, they said that Fisk is the best in New York. They said uh, Thurman was the best, and when they played against one another, they hated one another, they talked bad about one another, and they fought one another. And we had those fights. And that's what made the rivalry in New York and the Red Sox so good, because you had two guys. And, you know, Thurman was more, you know, Pudge, Pudge was always a good dresser. Thurman cared less. You know, sometimes he would eat a hot dog and come out with, you know, on the field with mustard and ketchup on his uh, uh, jersey. And, you know, and he'll, you know, he's a blue collar guy. He's a guy that, you know, if you had a, 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 a iron, uh, uh, if you had an iron uh, uh, a metal object to uh, kill fists, he would do it. <laughs> and that's the type of guy he was. And, you know, and that was, that's what made, the rivalry between the Yankees and the Red Sox. So entertaining, even to this day, if you have to talk about rivalries, if there's no rivalries in sports anymore, these guys making so much money, when they get a base hit, they hug each other. <laughs> Somebody's on first base, they shake their hands, good hit. You can't slide into second base, no double, you know, you can't break up a double play. And that's one of the prettiest plays, I think, in baseball. If you break up a clean double play and you see the shortstop run about four or five feet over uh, uh, you when you're sliding, you can't do that anymore. You know, you can't run into the, uh, the catchers anymore. So baseball's changed a lot. And the rivalry between the teams, but, but, but the closest thing now, and what I like now, I love rivalries. They're great for the game, okay? It's just not baseball, but, uh, but sports in general. But now you got Tampa and you got the Yankees and they throw in at each other. And, you know, and I like that, you know, because it's going back to old baseball. And it's not the game like, you know, if you come close to somebody. and But nowadays, these guys got so much equipment on. They got elbow pads. They got knee pads. They got... You know, they got uh, uh, sliding pads. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. And when they on first base, they somebody told me I didn't see this. But the new thing is everybody gets a glove. It's like a mitten when, you know, when the, you the are mitten. grilled. It's a mitten. Yeah. And you put it on. And when you slide, so you won't hurt your fingers. My God. You know, I mean, just think about that. You know what? Let me tell you something. We didn't make any money. But we played the game of baseball right. 
in the game of baseball, and I don't know how you feel about it. I hate the analytics of the game. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, and that, you know, it had destroyed the game of baseball. You know, I mean, after the double day, the pitcher pitches, you see the ball, you swing, you hit it, you run, you make an out, you make an error. You know, nowadays it's too much. Uh, 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 it's like a video game. Right. It's, it's, it's exactly like the video. Now they're talking about robotics as an umpire. They're called balls and strikes. Spin you know, ratio hey, the, on every pitch. Yeah, yeah you know, a home run is a home run, right? These guys now, they don't. They just want to see how far they hit the ball and how fast. And they want to see how hard they hit the ball. Exit velocity, absolutely. That's why I have no idea. I don't know anything about them. That's why this book is so great. I urge everyone to get it. There's so many great stories. Pete Sheehy, you know, uh, you know, Nate Tarnable. I mean, there's just so many different great, great, great Father's stories. Day gift. Great Father's Day gift for sure. Um, interesting. I, I just have to ask you a quick question because, you know, you, there's a whole bunch about Nate Tarnable, the uh, yeah. rhythm and blues guy. But, you know, um, Thurman was more a Doobie Brothers, Allman Brothers type guy. And the name of the book is The Captain and Me, which was an album that was out at that time. Had the two uh, great the Doobie hits. Brothers. Yeah, China Grove and Long Train Running. It is you know it is that a little homage to like Thurman not only because he was a captain and you correct but, but yes. is that a little homage to, to Thurman's musical taste as well? Absolutely. You know who got that was Dan Epstein because nice. Dan Epstein was a very big uh, uh, into music, very yeah. big into music, and when he didn't do sports books, uh, he's done so many things yeah. with music, and you know he was a guy. And when he picked out the name, to be honest with you, when he picked out the name Captain and Me, I had no idea that was one of the, it wasn't one of the Doobie Brothers' hit, right. but it was the name of the album, I think. Right. The that Captain. Two, right. The Captain Me had yeah. two big hits. All right. Nicely done by Dan for sure. Ron, uh, where's the best place for people to get this great new book? Oh, it's very, very simple. Go to Amazon. It's great. Or you could go to my website. And, you know, and I'll sign it directly to you. It's Ron Bloomberg. It's one O. It's not two O's. It's Ron Bloomberg, B-L-O-M-B-E-R-G, Yankees.com. Send it to me. I'll sign it to you. And the funny part about it, unless it's, it's been out for like almost going on seven weeks, it's been number one three times. And the lowest it's ever been is uh, uh, like 25 or 30. It's doing extremely well. And the greatest part about it was, is, it's not just it's not a baseball book. If, if, if anybody remembers the uh, the movie, uh, 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 Bang the Drum Slowly, yeah. it's a love story. You know, it's you, you cry, you laugh and you feel good about it. It's a wonderful, wonderful story between two people became friends and they helped each other out in the game of baseball. Absolutely. Great read, Ron. Thanks so much for your time tonight. More importantly, thanks for being one of the few Jewish stars in a game here in New York during my childhood, as it was always a big sense of pride for me. Thank you very much. And remember, I'm down in Georgia and we can't come up to New York. Hopefully we'll come up in July. But this week, dedicate some matzo ball soup to me. You got it. Ron Bloomberg, we will dedicate some matzo ball soup to him.